Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hi everyone, today I am recording a quick episode because something has come up both for a few of my students and also some of my listeners and I like to just address topics as soon as they come up when there's a need because I think it's important. Um, so what has come up this week? This week um, is the week of SIRing. Uh, it's the April 15th deadline. That's a deadline for most graduate programs for you to accept an offer and say yes or no, I'm not going to go there. And what has come up is that I found that um, a couple of students, whether it's listeners or my own students, have um, accepted offers with little to no funding. So what do you do if you accept an offer with little to no funding? Um, Okay, so the first thing I want to say is don't freak out, <laughs> but you need to um, prepare yourself for the commitment that you have just made. And um, you need to, uh, you know, just like I like to meet with students and have them go over a bunch of different things and factors and making a decision, I want them to make an informed decision. The same is it should happen after you've said yes. If you feel like you don't, maybe you didn't make the most informed decision. Maybe you didn't create a budget. Maybe you didn't figure out exactly how much debt you're going to incur. Um, now's the time to do so. It is important um, for you to know kind of what's going to come up for you both now and the long-term implications of the decision that you've made. Now, before I get to what to do, first off, congratulations. Um, I, I don't want to... Um, underestimate just what a big deal it is that you got into a graduate program, especially because I know most of my listeners are, um, are working class, they're first gen, they're students of color. The numbers are so low for folks like us. It's, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal that you got in. It's a huge deal that you are, have accepted. And, um, and go ahead and celebrate yourself whenever you can. Maybe you're still a student, you're trying to get ready to graduate, finish your classes. Okay, focus on that. But make sure you celebrate because it is a huge accomplishment. So felicidades, you are incredible. Um, on the other side of things, um, like I said earlier, it's a big commitment. So um, I want you to do a couple of things just to make yourself feel better so that you know that come fall, when you start your program, you're going to start with a clear kind of idea of what you've committed yourself to, at least um, financially and in terms of the logistics, too, of going to another school, moving, etc. So first thing you should do, if you haven't already, hopefully you've done this, but if you haven't do this now, is create a budget. You want to create a budget and that budget should reflect your um, different expenses. So one thing is your tuition. So how much is tuition per year? I'm gonna uh, use the example of you getting into a master's program because that's been more common where students, our students have gotten into master's programs with little to no funding. And the students that got the most funding even then got maybe up to 30% of their tuition covered. 
um, but not full funding. And where, whereas our students in, who got admitted to PhD programs, they have been able to secure a full funding package. But, so let's say you got admitted into a very competitive master's program. So it's a top program in your field, but they offer you very little funding, a couple thousand or maybe nothing. And all of it is supposed to go toward tuition. So there's no funding for your own like bills, cost of living expenses, personal expenses. Create a budget. So you, you list the tuition per year. So if it's a master's program, let's say it's two years. How much is tuition for each year? And then you want to reflect the... Um, make sure that the budget reflects your cost of living. And so look up the city and uh, the location where realistically you'd be living. Um, would you be living in university housing? If there is university housing, I always encourage you to apply because university housing tends to be um, subsidized, which means it tends to be cheaper than any other kind of rental places in the area. So there's um, graduate student housing, go ahead and apply for that and include that amount in your budget. So how much would it cost for you to get a studio or a one bedroom, or would you wanna live with roommates? How much would it cost for you to share a room with someone? And then put that in your budget and multiply that by 12. So 12 months to a year, how much is a monthly rate? Let's say if it's $1,000 a month, then you've got $12,000 for the year. And then multiply that by the two years that you're gonna be in your master's program, that's $24,000. So you put that in your um, budget, you put the tuition cost, let's say tuition is 30K per year. So you put 30K tuition per year, um, 12K, um, 12K uh, cost of housing, cost of living, and then any other bills that you have. And then you add that up per year. And realistically, that is the amount of debt that you are going to be incurring. If they gave you some funding, then you subtract that from the total amount of debt. And then that's your final number. And so you wanna know how much realistically am I going to take on in terms of the debt per year? And I like to keep it separate by year because I really um, encourage students to, uh, have kind of like a hustling mindset when you're in grad school. Once you arrive, you want to make sure you get your second year covered. So if it's two years, you want to make sure that the debt that you're incurring is for the first year only and that you do what you need to do to get as much funding for your second year. Um, so that way, you know, if, if it's a two-year program and you're calculating the debt for the two years, hopefully that debt is only for the one year and that second year you're going to do whatever you need to do to get that covered. So then you're slashing half of your debt already in that way. So create that budget, make sure it includes cost of living, make sure it includes your tuition uh, and then anything else, like maybe you might need a car. How much is it gonna cost for you to have a car? How much is it gonna cost for gas and for your insurance? If, if, it's, if you're moving to a place where you have to have a car to get by. Um, public transit, how much is that gonna cost? Are you gonna need to pay for your own um, utilities are you going to need to pay for your phone? So any bills that you know that you're going to incur, make sure to include that in your monthly budget and calculate your annual amount of how, how much you're going to spend to, to get by. Okay, so after you have that budget, one thing and another thing I would like to encourage you to do, which I know is going to be a little bit scary and a little bit awkward and uncomfortable, but trust me, um, you won't regret doing this, is 
asking for funding after the fact. Yes, you can do that. Um, what's the worst that can happen if you ask for funding is they'll turn you they'll turn you down. They say, sorry, like you have already accepted. We don't have any additional scholarships or fellowships to offer you. Good luck. So the worst thing that they can that can happen is you've already said yes. They say don't have, they don't have extra money. You don't get anything else. What's the best thing that can, that can happen is you get a little bit of extra money and every little bit that you can get more will help you. And so I'm sure now you're wondering, okay, um, how do I even do that? Um, who do I contact? What do I say? Like, am I going to seem ungrateful? Like, is it, you know, are they going to, I don't know, like what's going to happen? Well, you contact whoever it was that sent you your acceptance letter or whoever it was who sent you your award letter if you got partial funding. And then you let them know, dear X, whoever that is, thank you so much for the offer of support via the scholarship or la da da if you got some funding or thank you so much for your admission, the admission into the program. I look forward to joining the entering class. Just express your enthusiasm. And then you come at them with like, they don't know, they might not know your circumstances. Um, not everybody read your application materials. So um, a lot of folks that go to grad school come from you know generational wealth, they're trust fund babies, they've got parents who planned for their education, who saved for them, and they're not worried about money. So they don't know who you are. For all they know, you could be one of those people. You know, So you let them know, Thank you so much for the support. Look forward to entering the class. However, as a first generation working class student, my financial aid package um, or my funding is a crucial factor of my, in my ability to thrive in the program. I am wondering if the department is able to offer any funding or is able to increase my aid, one of those. Um, also, the, does the department offer um, any funding for relocation expenses? Because sometimes they have small pockets of money where they can give you an extra 500, 750, 1,000 for you to use toward moving. Uh, so it's okay to ask for funding for relocation expenses. Lastly, please let me know if there are any additional scholarships, fellowships, or on-campus employment opportunities I can apply for. That one is key because even if they have zero funding to offer you, they can always tell you where to apply for things. They, they can refer you to, oh, check out this site of fellowships or check out this employment, la da da, or consult with your advisor who might have, might be able to um, hire you as a research assistant the summer before you start and then you get some funding that way. So these are like, if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't make the ask, no one's going to go out of their way to just give it to you, um, especially because you've already SIR'd. So go ahead and ask. <laughs> As for funding after the fact, the worst thing that can happen is they say, no, we don't have anything. But actually, I had one student do this recently. That student got an extra $6,000 after asking. And that student really like told me, I don't think they're going to give me anything else. I'm pretty sure like what they offered me is the final say. That was the impression that the student got. Then they asked and they got an extra $6,000. And they were telling me, see, like, like, I had like I would if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have asked and you just got me an extra six thousand dollars, you know, and I had another student who similarly for a summer program, the summer program is going to give them a stipend and then they said that in addition to the research stipend. 
uh, students could request funding for cost of living expenses or for housing. And the student told me, well, I'm gonna be doing the summer program virtually. I'm gonna be doing it at home and I'm not paying rent at home. And I said, okay, but do you have other like housing cost of living related expenses? Are you paying for groceries to help your family? Are you paying for um, the internet? Are you paying for your cell phone? And the student was checking off, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, okay, let's create a budget with the line items, groceries for the eight weeks of the summer program, um, the, the cable slash internet bill for the eight weeks. And what was the last thing that I said? <laughs> Grocery and then the phone bill. And that was at least $500. So then the student sent that budget, that, that estimated budget to the program to request extra funding for housing. The student got it. And I'm like, and again, the student said, if you hadn't told me to do this, I wouldn't have had that extra $500. I'm like, see, like, so there are pockets of funding a lot of the times if you ask for it. Not always, but um, again, it doesn't hurt to ask. So I said, create your budget, ask for funding after the fact, ideally before USIR, but right now it's past April 15th. So it's after the fact you ask for funding if you didn't already do it. And then that's when you start the hustle. You've committed yourself to go to graduate school um, and congratulations on that. But uh, you need to make sure you figure out funding and treat it like your part-time job. So, um, oh, and speaking of funding, don't forget, sometimes students forget, just because you're done with undergrad doesn't mean that you're done with FAFSA, you should still apply for FAFSA. Why do you need to apply for FAFSA? Because that's one of the ways that graduate programs determine your need and whether you qualify for need-based fellowships. And that's also how they would determine how many, um, what type of loans you'll get, federal loans. And uh, one thing I was mentioning to a student recently is that you wanna ideally get subsidized loans, um, because those you, you're not going to be accruing interest while you're in school. If you get federal unsubsidized loans, you are going to start to accrue interest. So you might want to look into paying just even if it's just paying the minimum, paying the interest while you're in grad school. That way you your debt doesn't start to to grow too much um, while you're in grad school. So think about even the types of debt because you want federal loans, you wanna avoid as much as possible private loans. Private loans don't, aren't held to the same kind of uh, safety practices. Like they, they can take advantage of you in other ways. And you also uh, would not qualify for loan forgiveness, for instance, if it's a private loan. So if you know you're gonna take out debt, find out what type of debt it is, make sure it's federal loans, ideally subsidize, and if it's unsubsidized, come up with a plan for how you're gonna pay off at least um, the uh, interest while you're in grad school. So just keep that in mind. So don't forget, apply for FAFSA. All right, so what's the hustle? What are you gonna be doing when you start grad school? Yes, you're transitioning, trying to be, a, you know, do you do well academically, learn as much as you can, gain all the awesome skills. But you also need to apply for scholarships, apply for fellowships, and treat that as your part-time job. From here on out, you're, it's always part, it's as if it's part, pretend like it's part of the curriculum, it's part of the program that you're required to apply to scholarships and fellowships. 
and um, and then also look into on-campus employment opportunities, look into part-time jobs. Yes, you may be discouraged in your program. They might say, oh, we don't recommend that you work. We want you to focus entirely on the program. That's true, but not everybody has that privilege. Not everybody has the class financial privilege to just be like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on my studies. Uh, I hustled in grad school. I hustled, I worked multiple jobs. It was really hard, but also minimize the amount of debt that I incurred. So part-time jobs, what kind of jobs? You can look for TA ships, being a teaching assistant. You can look for um, research assistant ships. You can try to be a grad mentor, see if there are any programs on campus like Mellon Mays, like, like McNair or other uh, related undergraduate research programs and become a mentor. If you're listening to my podcast, if you listen to all my episodes and keep listening, odds are you're going to learn everything that I know and you will be an awesome grad mentor, grad mentor. So you could apply to be one, you know, a grad mentor within those positions. You could see if there are, you might actually qualify based on FAFSA for work study. Yes, work study is a thing in grad school. It's not as common, but it is a thing. And so just look into those part-time jobs. Why? Why do you want to look up on campus as opposed to off campus forms of employment? because a lot of these jobs come with tuition and fee remission. I mean, that 30K a year that you had as a debt, you land the grad mentor job where they provide tuition and fee remission, 30K slashed. You no longer have to pay that. How amazing is that? Uh, our grad mentors, they get tuition and fee remission. So if you're applying for jobs, you can ask this. And this is one thing I'm, I keep telling my students, you wanna land a job, you gotta put yourself out there contact the directors of the, don't wait until there's a job at out, contact the directors of the different centers of the different programs now. Introduce yourself, say who you are, say that you're a prospective student. You know, you can even say, if you were McNair, Mellon, whatever, Mark, you can say, you know, I, I'm an entering blah, blah, blah in this program. I'm, I'm also a McNair scholar from la, da, 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 and I'm looking into employment opportunities on campus, would love to be a graduate student mentor in your office. Please let me know when there are any openings so that I can apply. You put yourself out there. I actually, this is something that I do as an associate director. When graduate students reach out to me to say, I'm interested in working for your program, you know what I do? I save their email. I put it in a little folder that says prospective grad student or prospective grad mentor. And then when we have openings, I obviously send it to my listservs, but then I send personal emails to those folks, um, especially if I, they've like reached out to me recently. I'm like, oh yeah, that one student was really interested. Let me send them the job ad. If they know you, if they remember you, they might do the same thing. They might say, oh yeah, that student that you know is new, is coming in, entering this fall. Like now we have an opening. Let me send them the job ad. So put yourself out there. You never know when an opportunity will come up. Yeah. And then when you do apply, even before you apply for these positions, you can ask them, you know, thank you so much for sending me this job ad. I'm very much interested in applying. I have um, a few extra questions. Um, can you let me know what the hourly rate is for this position? And can you also please let me know if the position comes with tuition and fee remission? Tuition and remember that phrase, tuition and fee remission, um, because then it's really worth your time if you're going to get that again slashed from from your debt. So um, I think that's all I want to say about 
what to do if you accepted an offer with little to no funding. Create your budget. Um, ask for funding. It's okay. You know, it's, a, it's, it's less common, but you can still, you may still be able to get some extra funding if you ask for it. Apply for funding. And even now, like ask now, because remember when you're applying for funding, usually when you apply for fellowships, you're applying a year in advance. So you'd be applying now for things that come up in the fall. And then next year, when you start your first year in grad school, you'll be applying for things, scholarships, fellowships for your second year. And then just work under the assumption that it's your part-time job, that you're doing this to make sure you get your second year covered or following years covered. And, um, and then you want to accrue as much debt, you'll complete your program. Um, hopefully, you'll also continue networking so that you can put yourself in a good position to either continue on to a PhD program, if that's something you're interested in, or to apply for jobs, um, if that's the route that you're going to go. Um, I hope you found this helpful. Um, it's not the end of the world. If you accept an offer with little to no funding, you should still um, celebrate yourself. And there is still hope. You know, you, you should be fine so long as, again, you are informed and you are proactive. Um, I, I really, really want to make sure that students know this information because it's something that I definitely did not know when I was an undergrad. And it's really important because your future self will thank you. <laughs> all right, y'all. I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>